Yeah. 
Amen, choir. Thank you so much for lifting up your voices this morning. Let me take a few minutes and give you some quick announcements. Uh, of course, the homegoing services for my mom today. I hope you'll be here 2 to 4 for visitation. Uh, the services will immediately follow, and the choir will be singing some great singing. Uh, she, I will tell you this. I'm sure I'll mean, I'm not going to talk too much about her this morning, but I am going to tell you this because I hope it will bless your heart. On Wednesday, uh, I had spent the night with Mother all night long. She'd had a really, uh, really, really uh, long night Wednesday night. and But uh, on Wednesday morning, uh, the night before, she'd done great on Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, she was scheduled for several tests, and my family had not gotten there yet. My Renee was bringing my dad down, but the doctors came in Wednesday morning and said, Miss Hodges, here's all the things we're going to do today. And uh, she looked up at them with her most genteel southern spirit, and she said, No, thank you. I'm done. And so uh, we got to celebrate a wonderful day on Wednesday, but she also called me over to her bed after she made that decision. And uh, she went blow by blow by blow, verse by verse, song by song about what's going to happen this afternoon. And she even told me the verses that I'm going to use for the homegoing service. So uh, I hope you'll be here. We're going to make a joyful noise together today. But that will happen at 4 o'clock visitation from 2 to 4. Choir will be practicing next Sunday to get us ready for Resurrection Sunday. Keep that in mind. If juniors, if you are going with us to junior camp and you have not signed up, we need you to do that today, if you would, please. Uh, help us out with that. Of course, next Sunday morning, a week from today, April the 9th, we'll have our wedding shower for Cameron and Courtney. That will be at 9.30 downstairs in the uh, child care center. Keep that in mind if you would. And if you haven't picked up your Judas bags, I had some emails this week. Let me explain to you what we do at Judas bags. I throw these terms out and don't always realize that everybody doesn't know what I'm talking about. Uh, you understand that uh, Christ was sold by Judas for 30 pieces of silver, which was uh, the cost of a servant in those days. So I've done this for years and years and years. In fact, I got it from my father-in-law, who's done it forever. And he got it from Zeno Gross down at Woodland Baptist, who's done it since dirt was there. So, um, amen. Uh, what we do on Easter Sunday morning, we have a little bag up here, but you can use a Ziploc bag, whatever. And we ask you to bring in 30 pieces of silver as a commemoration of the sacrifice Christ made on Easter Sunday. I want to answer a couple of questions. No, it doesn't have to be 30 pieces of silver. It can be 30 $100 bills. Can somebody say amen right there? But whatever you do, it, whatever you give in that particular offering uh, uh, will be used for a special project. We do a different project each year, and this particular year we're going to let it go for our Ladies' Jubilee. They fund that themselves, and we're sure looking forward to that event. But keep that in mind. Uh, you will simply put those in the offering plate as they're passed by along with your regular tithes and offerings. We will also be having a baptism that Sunday morning. I can't think of a better day to be baptized than on Easter Sunday. So uh, we'll do that after the Sunday morning service. As always, we will not do a Sunday evening service on Resurrection Sunday, but uh, we'll have a baptism to follow. And then, of course, our information is in there for our upcoming Ladies' Jubilee and Homecoming, and we invite you to just avail yourself to that. We'll give you a bit more of that as it draws closer later in the month of April, which, heaven forbid, is this month already. It's not going to be long till we'll be talking about the Christmas program. Whew. God help. Amen. Yeah, we can't over here. Slow down, buddy. Slow down. All right, uh, let's get all the little ones up here this morning. All of our little ones that are heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, uh, you come on and make your way. Come on and make your way, if you would, please. If you would. All of you heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, you come on. If you're visiting with us, they're going to come around and collect loose change from you this morning. And again, this helps our ladies' jubilee. We appreciate your support as always. Take off this morning, young folks.
everybody heading to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on, make your way, young folks. as always we appreciate your gift to our young to our ladies jubilee and uh, letting our kids participate let me give you a couple of prayer requests i want to update you on some things continue to pray for uh uh sister uh, Juanita Saw, she's down in Kernersville, uh, Moses Cone rather, in a, a kindred spirit there, the specific hospital that uh, deals with this. I want you to pray for Sister Juanita, some decisions that they're needing to make, and uh, we're praying for God's will to be done there. Pray for Sister Patsy Gunner, she is uh, improving, um, and if things continue to progress, she hopes to come home Tuesday. So uh, we're, we're praising the Lord for that. That's an answer to prayer. Amen. And for all of you who keep telling me how much you like my Carolina blue that I'm wearing today, let me tell you that I did not fall down and bump my head this week. Amen. My mother's wearing blue today. That's the only reason I have it on. But uh, thank you for being here and for a merry heart doeth good like medicine. I told the choir we're not singing sad songs today. Uh, we're not going to sing uh, sad songs this afternoon. We're going to rejoice and celebrate uh, because we know where heaven is. Amen. Fellas, come on and make your way down this morning. Let's receive our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Uh, you be obedient unto him. Brother Scott, you come get ready to sing again for us, buddy. Love to hear you sing. And let's just ask the Lord to have his way in our midst today and for his presence to be felt. Father, bless the offering today. May it be what you'd have it to be. Thank you for the opportunity to give in this capacity. And Lord, to just give back that which you've given to us. Bless Brother Scott as he sings the offering. May it be what you'd have it to be in Christ's name. Amen. Take off. Through the fire, 
we're not defeated we've climbed many mountains on our journey toward home soon the race will be finished triumphant we will rise oh what a day when we meet them in the fellowship song hymn number 203 this morning page 203 the windows of heaven we'll sing this uh, very familiar course here one time through then we'll have a time of fellowship today hymn 203 the windows of heaven are open the blessings are falling tonight there's joy 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 in my heart since Jesus made everything right I gave him my old tattered garment He gave me a robe of pure white I'm feasting on manna from heaven And that's why I'm happy tonight Amen, shake some hands
going back to your seats. Just a couple more announcements to make before the pastor comes up and preaches to us this morning. For the shower, uh, for Cameron and Courtney, uh, my wife had reminded me that we had forgot to tell everybody, please bring some breakfast food for that, please. Okay? Amen. Everybody, bring breakfast. I like my bacon and egg sandwich plain with an extra egg. Amen. Amen. You can bring me one of them, I'd be appreciative. I'm, I don't need no mayonnaise. <laughs> if there's mayonnaise on it, I say, man, there's mayonnaise on it. <laughs> I'll eat it anyway. <laughs> anyway. Also, for our uh, ladies' jubilee, we got the flyers in for be able to pass out their, these cards right here. There will be some available here. There's some available in the back. Looking forward to that great time in jubilee with Miss Kyla Rowland coming and all the preparations been taking place. Y'all pray for the pastors. He come preach to us this morning. All right, fellas, make your way down. Quickly, congregation, I want you all to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 24. Of course, this is the first Sunday of the month, which means it's Mission Sunday here at our church. So in addition to what you give for Mission Sunday, our church gives 14% of tithes and offerings now to missions. And we sure appreciate uh, your generosity in allowing us to put 80-plus uh, missionaries on the field. And God will bless you for that uh, and for your faithfulness. So you give as generously as you can. Of course, every penny goes to this project. Lord, bless the missionaries. Thank you for our privilege to support so many works across this world and across our own country. Bless now and our preaching time in Christ's name. Amen. Genesis 24. While you're turning there, I want to give you two more prayer requests and try to break these up so you can remember them. Pray for uh, Sister Cassidy's uh, mother, Sister Brenda Cassidy. She fell this week and broke her hip uh, and is up in Roanoke Hospital. Pray for her. And then I have mentioned to folks for a few weeks now, I haven't given you uh, definitively because she didn't want me to, but she's told me I can now. I want you to pray for Sister Pam Biggs. Uh, Sister Biggs has cancer. Uh, at stage two, they think they're going to be able to treat it with chemo. Uh, so uh, they've uh, done full body scans. It's in some centralized areas. It is It has, they think, perhaps gotten to the lymph nodes, but they're going to be able to treat it. They hope and pray. So uh, we're going to pray that God will just touch her as she begins to undergo her cancer treatments. Bless Brother Biggs. Uh, and God is still in control. Amen. Genesis chapter 24. I say all the time, what a great day when cancer will be removed from my vocabulary. Genesis chapter 24, I want to read a few verses this morning on this powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. Uh, and I will remind you when Genesis chapter 24 opens that Abraham, the great patriarch of our faith, is approaching his deathbed. He knows that his uh, dying is imminent, and he wants to find a bride for his son. He doesn't want to pass on until he knows that his son Isaac 
has been uh, given a bride of his own people, someone of like faith, someone that he is assured uh, will carry on the faith uh, that so enthrones uh, the name of Abraham. So we're going to read in chapter 24 uh, how Abraham sets about ensuring that his son Isaac is indeed uh, provided with that bride. So let's begin reading in verse number 1. Notice what it says. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Let me stop right there and go ahead and offend some folks this morning. <laughs> Straight out of the gate. The reason that Abraham says that he doesn't want Isaac to take a daughter of the Canaanites is that they were idolatrous, unbelieving people. This passage was written now uh, some nearly 4,000 years ago, and may I say to you that commandment of God has not changed. We often talk about who we should and shouldn't marry, and we put all kinds of things on that, but the only attributes that God ever says uh, that we should not marry is someone who doesn't believe like we believe. That's the only thing that God says, and you look at me, that's still in the book. Verse 3, I will make thee swear by the Lord God of heaven and take uh, and, and the God of earth, and thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go into my country, unto my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Chapter 24 is a long chapter. In the next verses, we get the, the process by which God shows to this unnamed servant and points him in the direction of a particular woman who turns out to be named Rebecca. So turn now, if you would, please, to verse 51. Verse 51. The proposition has been made to Rebecca by this servant. They've made their way back to Rebecca's home. Rebecca's father has been introduced to the plan. Rebecca's father is now presenting Rebecca with the option Do you want to take this man? Do you want to marry this man? Look at verse 51. Behold, Rebecca is before thee. Take her and go and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken came to pass that when Abraham's servants heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. The servant brought forth jewels of silver, jewels of gold and raiment, and gave them to Rebekah, gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. They did eat and drink, and the men that were with him and tarried all night, and they rose up in the morning, and he said, "'Send me away to thy master.'" Verse 55, And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days. At the least ten after that she shall go. Verse 56, He said unto her, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away, that I may go to my master. They said, We will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And I'll remind you up until this point, nobody's asked Rebecca a thing. Nobody has asked her 
what her thoughts are in the matter. Nobody's asked her what her opinion is in the matter. They're making lots of assumptions and lots of wheeling and dealing are happening as to whether or not she's going to be the wife. Look at verse 58. They called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? I'll pause and say the decision was hers. Folks could influence her. Folks could try to persuade her. This unnamed servant could lay all the riches of Abraham at, his, at her feet. Her father, her brother, her sisters, the mother uh, could all say all of the things that they thought she should or should not do. But you listen, the decision as to whether or not she was to go with Isaac was 100% hers. Look at 58 again. They called Rebekah, said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Father, bless the reading of your word this morning. Lord, thank you for a place called heaven on a day like today. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our preaching time to this morning. Lord, I pray that you take the outline that you've bestowed upon our hearts and, God, that you'd use it. Lord, as always, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, God, it is my humble plea that they'd not walk out of the building today until they have accepted Christ. Lord, for those of us that know the Lord, I pray that you would inspire us and equip us for another week to battle with the enemy, being reminded that we are on the Lord's side. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Lord, I pray that you'd use us now in Christ's name. Amen. Mrs. Smith, a kindergarten teacher, was teaching her children the Pledge of Allegiance. After weeks and weeks of practicing, everyone had it nailed down. So after a month, she said, all right, boys and girls, we will begin every class, every morning, uh, with a pledge to the American flag. She said, I want to remind you that when we pledge to the American flag, we stand and we put our hands over our heart. So she asked everyone to please stand, and the entire class stood. She said, put your hands over your heart, uh, and 23 of the 24 obliged, all except for Johnny. Johnny did not put his hand over his heart, but instead put his hand over his right cheek. And as they began, he said, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Mrs. Smith said, whoa, 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 wait just a minute, Johnny. You're not supposed to have your hand on your cheek. You're supposed to have your hand on your heart. Johnny said, yes, ma'am. So he put his hand down. They began the pledge again, and Johnny said, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Mrs. Smith said, Johnny, what are you doing? You're not supposed to have your hand on your cheek. You're supposed to have your hand on your heart. And Johnny said, Miss Smith, I'm afraid you've made a mistake. This is my heart. Miss Smith looked at Johnny and said, Johnny, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Uh, and I don't know where you got that idea, but that is not your heart. And Johnny said, Yes, ma'am, it is. And Miss Smith said, Why would you think something like that, Johnny? Johnny said, Every time I get in trouble, my grandmother comes up to me and says, Bless your little heart. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Mine was more like, bless your little heart. <laughs> Amen. Genesis 24 is a powerful passage. It is, in fact, what Bible scholars refer to as an archetypal passage, and I'll quickly explain to you what that means. While sometimes we find types where they are not there, there is no doubt that Genesis chapter 24 presents to us some quintessential, some beautiful types, if you will, that permeate our very Bible. Abraham, who is uh, old in age at this point, is a beautiful picture, a beautiful symbol, a beautiful image of God the Father. 
Isaac is a beautiful picture, a beautiful image of the Lord Jesus Christ who is out seeking a bride. And so the father sends an unnamed servant who is a beautiful type or image of the Spirit of God who goes out and does the searching and finds that bride. And, and of course, Rebecca is a beautiful type or symbol of the church, the bride of Christ. And when everything is laid out and everything is propositioned and everything is explained and everybody gives their thoughts and their ideas and their opinions as to what should happen next, the ultimate decision as to whether or not to accept this marriage proposal rests with Rebecca. Please listen to me, church. Rebecca is a beautiful picture type or symbol for the church. And I want you to understand this morning, and I want to be crystal clear. Uh, when I say the church, I do not mean Stanley Town's Amazing Grace Baptist Church. I don't mean First Baptist, First Christian, Pentecostal Holiness. I am not talking about a church building. When I am referencing the church this morning, I'm talking about those of us who are part of the bride of Christ, who know that we've been born again, whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm not concerned about what the denominational affiliation is this morning when I ask you, are you part of the church? If you're not, the decision is yours. I can lay out all the reasons. I can give you all the reasons. Your family can explain all the reasons why that decision is important. But ultimately, the decision as to whether or not you're going to be part of the church, you're going to be part of the bride, you're going to be part of the blood-bought, the born-again, that decision is yours. And would you listen to me carefully? Your entrance into heaven is predicated upon that answer and that answer alone. I want to be crystal clear this morning. You can be part of Stanley Town's Amazing Grace Baptist Church and not part of the church. You can be baptized and not part of the church. You can have been in church from the moment you were birthed into this body and still not be part of the church because to be part of the church means you have positively answered the question that was presented to Rebecca when it said, Wilt thou go with this man? Rebecca became the bride when she said, I will. We become the bride when we willingly accept that question, Will you accept him? And we say, I do. We become his and he becomes ours. So a few minutes this morning, I want to give you a message that I've entitled, Will You Have Him? Will You Have Him? So most of you in the congregation this morning, without a shadow of a doubt, already know that you're part of the body of Christ. If that's you, I hope you will amen me and celebrate the fact that you are part of the blood-bought band of believers. But there's also plenty of you this morning who, like me, have some loved ones who are not born again some family members that you know if the Lord were to sound the trumpet today would be left behind. I want to submit to you that even more than ever I'm more determined to see that my loved ones make it into the blood-bought band of God's family. Three things that I want to give you this morning about that question will you have him. Number one in answering this question and having to respond to this question there are some things that are very clear to Rebecca 
there are some things that, that if you will, that, that she knows and understands. What are those things, Pastor? Let me give you a couple of them. First of all, she knows that Isaac is a man of mystery. She knows that Isaac, her propositioned perspective bridegroom, is a man of mystery. Let me let you in on something that might curl your toes, ladies. She doesn't even know his name at this point. Go back and read all of Genesis chapter 24. She's not been told who he is. She's not been told what his name is. Uh, she only knows uh, that he's the son of Abraham. Uh, she only knows that he's 500 miles away. Uh, she only knows uh, that this fella has come to proposition her uh, and that God orchestrated these things out. Uh, but would you listen to me carefully? The name of this man is not even revealed to Rebecca, so she's having to answer this question uh, with a lot of things that remain unclear. I want you to listen to me carefully. It dawned on me years ago when witnessing to lost folks that oftentimes they have a whole host of questions. They want to know uh, what this passage means, and they want to know what this story means. They want to know where this came from, and they want to ask questions about this, and all of those are very good questions. Uh, but would you listen to me carefully? I also realized and understood that our enemy uh, will throw questions into the mind of the lost, uh, the lost person to confuse them and stop them from coming to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. So here's oftentimes what I say. When folks begin to pepper me with those kinds of questions, I'll be very clear. That's an excellent question. Let's talk about that shortly. Uh, but can I get back to the fact that Jesus loves you and died for you? Can I remind you that, yes, that's a good question. Uh, and what I've discovered uh, is that oftentimes these questions will be answered uh, when we come to him in faith. She knows that Isaac is a man of mystery. Ladies, I hope you'll get ready to amen me on this one. If you don't say anything else, I hope you'll amen this. Because not only is Isaac a man of mystery, but he's also a man of money. Amen. Isaac is a man of money. Listen to me carefully. When, when all of these gifts, my grandmother who's in heaven, you should look at her grandchildren. My grandparents were dirt poor. My grandmother used to look at her granddaughters and say, you know, honey, it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich man as it is a poor one. Amen. When all of these gifts are laid out in front of Rebecca, when this dowry, if you will, and in fact it's a reverse dowry because typically a dowry is what accompanies the bride to give to the groom. But in this, oh, you got to listen now. Put your shouting shoes on. In this case, uh, the bride doesn't have anything to give to the groom. Amen. Rebecca doesn't have the riches. She doesn't have the jewels. She doesn't have the finery. She doesn't have the money. But what quickly dawns on her is what she doesn't have. Her prospective bridegroom has got everything. Hey, can I say to you this morning, when you come to him in faith, when you reach out and say, accept him you understand that you've got nothing he needs but he's got everything that you need amen Isaac is a man of mystery Isaac's a man of money but Isaac is also a man of matrimony you see if I can put this bluntly and simply Isaac's a man who's looking out for a bride Isaac is somebody who's in the bride hunting 
business. For Rebecca, this had to be thrilling. As the servant begins to outline everything that he is, everything that he has. Please listen to this, church. I can't help but think uh, that it dawns on Rebecca that of all the eligible women that this bridegroom could have chosen, for some reason this rich, eligible, marrying, prospective man chose me. I can't help but think if in the dark recesses of her mind, Rebecca says, what did I do to deserve this? What good deed have I done to deserve this? And the answer to that is simple. Nothing. Nothing. Because she's got to realize there's nothing she could have done that would have warranted this gift. There's no good deed that's good enough that she could have said, I deserve this or I am entitled to this. I think the great day in Rebecca's life was when she realized I've done nothing, yet he's offered me everything. Hey, church, it is just like that for those of us that are born again. When we realize that we've done nothing, we are nobody, we can offer him nothing, but he offers to us everything we could ever imagine and all because because he loves us. Some things are clear to Rebecca. But then there are also some things that are concealed to Rebecca. With all the things that she knows, there are plenty of things that she doesn't know. Point number one this morning was for those in the building who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to submit to you this morning that if you've never been born again, I want to proposition you with the very same question. Will you take this man? It is my heartfelt desire that you will answer in an affirmative just like Rebecca. I will. But point number two this morning is for all the rest of us. All the rest of us that have said, I will. All the rest of us that are part of the bride, we've jumped on the bandwagon, if you will. We're part of the blood bought. What happens next? Let's be frank, folks. There are some things about this Christian journey that we just don't know about when we join up. Let me give you a few of them. First of all, Rebecca's road is concealed. Rebecca's road is concealed. I want to remind you that it's a 500-mile journey between where she now resides and where her prospective bridegroom lives. A 500-mile journey that's not in an SUV, that's not in a Cadillac, but is in fact on foot and camel. Weeks and weeks uh, she'll have to travel uh, before she meets up with him. Uh, she does not know what lies between here and where he is. Uh, I have no doubt she's got questions like, where are we going? Uh, will the journey be difficult? Uh, how far away is it? Uh, what do you think he's going to think of me? Uh, will he be attractive? Will he find me attractive? Will he like me? All kinds of questions uh, that she's got. And none of these seem to be answered in conversation so I want to read between the lines and give you what I think perhaps 
the spirit, if you will, the unnamed servant, how he might have responded. When Rebecca says, where are we going? He says, don't worry, I know the way. When Rebecca says, will it be difficult? I can imagine the servant says, there'll be some bumps, but I got everything we need. When she says, how long will it take us to get there? He says, it'll be a little while, but I got all the resources we need to get there. When she says, I'm a little bit concerned about where we're going, he says, don't worry about it. You just make sure you stick with me, and I'll get you there just in the nick of time. Hey, church, can I just pause a moment and say, ain't it good to be saved this morning? You don't know where you're heading tomorrow. Heaven knows you don't know what's going to be next week, next month, or next year. I don't know who holds tomorrow, but I, I don't know what is tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Her road is concealed. Not only is her road concealed, this is my favorite part. Her reception is concealed. Now, ladies, you help me out here. Because I can just imagine to meet this prospective bridegroom, Rebecca wanted to look her best. The first time that her bridegroom would lay eyes on her she wanted to make sure she looked as good as she could again I'm not going to inundate you with stories of my mother this morning but I want to share this one Wednesday after mother had made the decision to stop all the treatments she sat down with me and given me a clear blow by blow of how she wanted the services today and, and then she looked at my daddy and she said now Jimmy you get Kim out here to fix my hair while I'm in that casket, her words, and you get Mimi out here to fix my nails because them folks are going to be looking at me and I want to make darn tootin' sure I look presentable. Amen. Come on, ladies, help me out. There's something within some ladies, in fact, I'm going to say most ladies, who want to look good when you're out in public. Let me pause a moment and say there's a few that could learn some lessons. Amen. Amen. That's a different message for a different day. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'll just say pajamas are meant for the bedroom, not public consumption. Amen. Amen. But Rebecca, no doubt, puts on her finest, makes herself as beautiful as possible, and here's what I love, if you will. Go, go, go if you would, back to... Verse uh, number 63. Go to, go to verse 63. Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide, lifted up his eyes and saw, behold, the camels were coming. As Isaac goes out into the evening to pray, he sees the unnamed spirit's caravan coming his direction can't you just imagine Isaac's hearts beginning to pitter patter as he thinks to himself there she is there comes my bride there comes the one I've been waiting for for weeks and months and even years and he's so excited he can barely contain himself and you know help me out fellas in the back of his mind he's going oh sweet Jesus I hope she looks decent Oh, Lord, let her look good. Please, God, let her look good. Look at the next verse. 
verse 64. And when Rebekah lifted up her eyes, when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. Now, I have tried for years in my mind to imagine how someone gently descends off of an eight-foot camel. Because what that word lighted means is to descend eloquently and ladylike. And I just don't know how you do that off of a camel. But whatever it was, Rebecca lifted up her eyes. And I can just, I hope that's a call from heaven, amen. <laughs> Rebecca lifted up her eyes and she perhaps thought to herself, everything I could have imagined and she gingerly and as ladylike as she can descends herself off that camel and presents herself to her prospective husband look at verse 67 oh go back to verse 65 it's too good to skip for she had said unto the servant what man is this that walketh in the field to meet us servant had said it is my master therefore she took a veil and covered herself the servant told Isaac all things he had done Isaac brought her into her mother's tent Sarah's tent and took Rebekah she became his wife I can just imagine as she glanced him for the first time, she thought, Oh, my soul, he's better than I could have ever imagined. And as he looked at her for the first time, he thought, Good gracious, good golly alive, look at that girl. She's beautiful. And suddenly, what was a relationship of unknowns, two people who had never seen each other, who knew nothing about each other, all because of the goodness and grace of God, became a match made in heaven. And you continue to read, and you will find where Isaac passionately loved Rebekah. And Rebekah passionately loved Isaac. Would you listen to me this morning? This is not a marriage message there are lots of beautiful applications we could make here about the beauty of marriage and the eternal nature of marriage, but would you look at me? I am here this morning reminding us that when our Isaac sees us, <laughs> he doesn't see us for what we used to for what we used to be. He doesn't see us for what we've done. He doesn't see us for the sins of our past. He doesn't see us for all the crimes against him we've committed. All he sees when he sees us is someone for whom he died and he thinks, is that mine? Does she belong to me? Hey, church, I am so glad this morning to say I'm part of the bride of Christ and I love him, but what blows my mind is that he loves me. Amen. Notice number three this morning. Not only is her road concealed and her reception concealed, but her reward is concealed as well. I'll be quick on this, but I want you to notice with me 
to answer this simple question. What is it that Rebecca gets? I mean, really, what's in this for Rebecca? I mean, we know what's in this for Isaac. We know that Abraham has sent his servant to fetch a bride. But what's in this for Rebecca? Can I answer it quickly? She gets a new father. She gets a new family. She gets a new fame. She gets a new fortune. And she gets a new future. I don't know about you, but that sounds like to me a deal worth making. (laughs) I'm reminded oftentimes, and I hope you'll amen me on this, I'm reminded oftentimes because the devil does not like us to forget where we were when he found us. He doesn't like us to forget the sins of our past. It blows my mind that we often feel guilty about the things that God can't even remember. He tries to step up and remind us of who we were and what we've done and the mess that we made. I'd just like to remind him that on June the 13th, 1976, this preacher got a new father and got a new family and got a new faith and got a new future and got a new fortune. And it has nothing to do with the Hodges name and everything to do with the bride of Christ's name. Final point this morning. Some things are clear, some things are concealed, and that there are finally some things that are absolutely certain for Rebecca. Go back with me, if you would, please, to verse 58. Verse 58. This is the moment of truth for Rebecca. The moment of truth, in fact, for Isaac. The moment of truth for Abraham and this unnamed servant. It all boils down to this one moment. Notice verse 58. They called Rebekah, said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? Wilt thou go with this man? I want to read between the lines here and give you some Gregology. Because when I look at this and she gives an immediate answer, I'm reminded of the fact she does not say, let me think about it. She doesn't say, I'm going to have to pray about that thing. She doesn't say, let me ruminate on it. She doesn't say, let me talk to some family about it. Because I cannot help but think, had she done that, the servant might have said, this is your one-time chance, young lady. The answer is either yes or no. And if the answer is no, I'm leaving. There won't be another chance tomorrow. I don't want to step on toes, but I'm going to trod this morning. Salvation is not when we are good and ready. Salvation is when God is good and ready. May I say to you, one of the most dangerous games man plays today is to think that he'll have tomorrow or next week or next month to answer that question. My Bible tells me that today is the day of salvation. It's not a next week. It's not an I'll think about it. And it all boils down to this one question. Will you take this man? And Rebecca, without hesitating, without pondering, says, oh yeah, I will. Because this morning, because she's so willing to choose, she demonstrates a willingness to commit. 
Final point, if you'll go back to verse 67. Notice what Moses says. Again, Isaac brought her to his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. Became, she became his wife, and he loved her. And he loved her. Rebecca began to miss her parents. Isaac puts his arm around his bride and pulls her close and says, Honey, I love you. When word comes, perhaps her father's gone to glory, her mother's passed on, or family friends have gone on, and Rebecca thinks, I wish I'd have been there. I wish my family had been around. I can just imagine that Isaac pulls her a little bit closer and says, Honey, I love you. Can I close this morning with a very simple statement? There is nothing that compares to being loved by Jesus. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet. What about you this morning, friend? Rebecca made her decision to go to Isaac. As a result, she was loved and blessed and lived an incredible life. And it all happened because she said, I will. I do. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you two questions. Two simple, simple questions. Don't raise your hand yet, but listen carefully. Number one, Pastor, I'm saved, but there's someone in my family that I love so dearly that's lost. Pray for them. I'm seeing an awful, I'm seeing hands go up everywhere, mine included. You can put them down. Now let me ask you one more question. Is there anyone in the building that would say, Pastor, it's not my family member. It's not my friend. It's me. I need to be saved. Pray for me this morning. Anyone in the building that say, Pastor, it's I that needs to be saved, that needs to be part of the family. Father, bless the invitation of the Ken as he sings. May it be what you'd have it to be. In Christ's name, before Ken sings the first note, I want to implore every one of you that raised your hand, uh, that said you've got a friend, you've got a family member that needs to be saved, make your way to this old-fashioned tear-stained altar. Uh, would you come this morning while Brother Ken sings?
Would you sing this verse again with us? This is my favorite verse in all of hymnum for him for, for altar. Sing it now. Have thine own way. Have thine own way. Have thine own way. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. dismiss us in prayer. Pray for the services this afternoon, for the homegoing services for my mom. And let me give you this. You saw Brother Eddie run out. He got word that he had to get to the hospital quickly. We don't know what's going on. So just pray that God would bless him as he travels and touch Sister Patsy. Whatever she's dealing with, that he would divinely speak to her and, and heal her today. Brother Ken, pray for us if you would, please, buddy. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you Lord, this morning, Lord, for salvation. Father, thank you, Lord, that you made a way for us to, in order to have eternal life. And Father, it's through your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and through that shed blood he shed on Calvary's cross. Father, we thank you for that. Father, we pray for Brother Eddie now as he travels down the highway, God, to be with his sweet wife. Lord, I pray, God, whatever the situation may be ongoing there, God, that you would touch him. Father, keep him safe as he travels, Lord. And Father, give the doctors wisdom, Father, as they watch over Miss Patsy, God, and look over her body. God, give them the insight that they need in order to find her cure. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for our pastor and his family. With God, I pray for a special touch to be upon them today. Father, as they have the home-going service, Lord, the precious mother, a precious wife, God, a precious grandmother. God, I pray you'd just be with the family. God, help the people to come out and support them. God, show them love, God, that they need in this time. Father, bless the services this afternoon. And Father, if it be your will, may we see a precious soul come to know Christ as Savior, Father, through this. And Lord, we thank you, God, for being so good to us. Father, be with Miss Juanita Saul, Lord, there in the hospital as well. Be with his family. God, as they watch it over her also, Lord, the doctors as well. Father, we thank you, God, for Jesus today. It's in his name we do pray. Amen.